Van Halen 3. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Rockers. Welcome back to Extra Credit, the Rock You Podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Hinckley, with the gravelly voice today. And staring at me at the other mic is the David Lee Roth to my Alex Van Halen, (laughs) the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Black. Well, I'm coming at you with the nasal voice today. I'm a little stopped up. So, you know what? This is actually appropriate to our topic today. It really is. It really is. So what is our topic today? Our topic today, bad songs by great artists. This was a tough one just to listen to the songs. This was really tough. But before we dive into all that, what are you wearing today, Matt? Well, don't take this as having anything to do with our main topic, but I'm wearing my ACDC Back in Black t-shirt today. You'll find out why. And you? I am wearing my Diver Down Tour t-shirt from Van Halen with the big lion on it. Interesting to see where you're going And with this don't one. take that as something for bad oh, songs by I good artists. Or <laughs> maybe it is. Oh, I don't know. We'll wow, see. Keeping the mystery alive. Keeping the mystery alive. Okay, cool. So what are your criteria for bad songs well, by great bands all right, or great artists? I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked. First of all, I was looking for songs that were just really just bad. Okay. Just bad songs. I was not looking for failed experiments. There are a lot of artists that I really admire Ah, who do try to go out on a limb sometimes. For example, I think most people know now my favorite band is The Police. And a lot of Police records contain sort of weird experimental tracks, usually not written by Sting, but by uh, Annie Summers or Stuart Copeland, that are just weird and not necessarily fun to listen to, but I didn't count those. Also, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, like I'm not counting Revolution 9, that's barely a song at all. It's it's an experiment, it's an art experiment. So anything that where, where I felt that the intent was to push artistic boundaries and it didn't work. I did not count that. Okay. I also didn't count anything from... I mean, there's a lot of bands that were popular for a decade or two, and then nobody listens to their music, but they're still making music, and a lot of it's bad. I didn't okay. count anything in those periods. Every song I chose came from a period in the artist's work which is considered a significant period. All so. Right. That's, and that's those are my criteria. That was your criteria. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> how bad was the song? Like, just bad. Just bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll I'll give specific complaints when they when they come. When they come yeah. up. All right. I did not have the I'm leaving the experiments off. You, my you, so criteria. So you counted the experiments, huh? My criteria yeah. was. I had to hate it so much that I just (laughs) wanted to turn it off. I had to fight to listen to some of these songs. And honestly, I don't think I listened to the entirety of any of these songs. I did. You were a stronger man than I. tortured myself a little bit. Yes, you did. I did have a little bit of extra bonus points if they had vapid lyrics or no coherent lyrics. Or whether the words made no sense or the context didn't or it was just bad. I, I so. will say I made this a little easier on myself by, you know, there's some bands that I think are generally considered great artists and I just don't particularly like them. So it would have been very easy for me to pick yeah. to pick those songs that I just don't like, but I didn't pick those. I, f- I basically... I left uh, that off my list yeah. too. If, if I thought they were an artist that I just didn't like, but other people did and they had a big following, I left that off. These are artists, uh, everybody on my list is an artist that I really have a lot of respect for, that I like a lot, that I like probably 99% of their catalog. Well, a couple of these on my list are among my very favorite artists, and I, yeah. I will say that all of them, I feel, are do are worthy of respect, although I don't, there's one or two I don't love on this list. Okay, so... we get into it? Let's get into it. Okay. You get to go first. I What's get to your, go first today? Yeah. Okay. What's your number five? All right, my number five. This is not an artist I love, okay. and... 
personally, I would do not think this person is a great artist, but I de- definitely think she's worthy of respect. She's commercially and critically successful. She's so popular that most people would say, yeah, you have to take this person seriously. And the song is Diamonds by Rihanna. Okay. And the reason I included it is just because it's so terrible. <laughs> it is the only, in 10 years of Rock You, this is the only song that I have forbidden a band to do uh, for no other reason than I just can't stand listening to it every week. <laughs> um, it was actually written by Sia. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was originally written for Rihanna, actually. I think it was originally written for Sia or somebody else, or sometimes Sia writes songs and then sells them to somebody else. And uh, Rihanna copied her vocal performance so closely that Sia thought they had used it when oh, she wow. heard the song, on the, at least on the choruses. The lyrics are so dumb. <laughs> Shine bright like a diamond. Yeah. I mean, it's just... They're just so dumb. They don't mean, ah, I don't even know how to express myself, how vapid and insipid the lyrics are. Yeah. And I just can't stand the octave, you know, shine bright like a diamond like that, yeah. that. I just, I just can't stand it. I don't have really much more to say about it. It's a song I have a deep negative visceral reaction to every time I hear it. And I don't dislike Rihanna. I think some of her other work is right. is, is really good. Yeah. I don't love her, but I, I think she's worthy of respect. Not this song. This is a big Oh, by the way, I should mention that this song and all the songs on my list were huge commercial successes. So, oh, okay. So, yeah, that's my first one. That's all I got to say I, about. I don't Rihanna. know if any of mine were huge commercial successes, but we'll we'll see. Right. Okay, what's your number five? So, my number five is kind of like a whole album, but I <laughs> just pulled one song off of it. And for those of us who are big Van Halen fans, I think you know what's coming: Van Halen Three. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get hear the listener mail we're going to get for this one. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, let's, when let's Gary Sharon yeah. came on as the lead singer for one album and one tour, and that was it, that should tell you something. My gosh, the whole album is just horrible. But the now song, I see where you're going. The yeah. song that I picked was Without You. Now, Sharon, what I don't get is when he sang for Extreme, the guy was an amazing vocalist. And then he shows up for this record and is like, where and good lord's name did you get that sound the song is just a schizophrenic group of melodies i mean it sounds like a bad madras plaid matchwork of ideas and sharon's vocals don't match any of those ideas at least to me even michael anthony and eddie van halen's usual amazing backup vocals they sound horribly off key to me on this song you know the the best part of the song is alex's drumming and it even sounds uninspired compared to the rest of their entire catalog. And that's about all I'm going to say about that, because good Lord, it's just, it's horrible. Let's it's just get absolutely through. horrible. <laughs> Let's just get through these and move yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, dude, what's your number four? All right, my number four is from an artist that I deeply respect. Actually, two artists that I deeply respect. It's a song, uh, well, you probably know where I'm going with it. Uh, it's a song by Paul McCartney featuring Stevie Wonder. And it's, <laughs> yeah, I think you've mentioned this before. Ebony on this and Ivory. Podcast. I don't remember that I've mentioned it, but I will say it is an earworm. It's undeniable. Yeah. Once you hear it, it's kind of hard to repeat. But just, it's a very clumsy chord progression. The central metaphor of the black and white keys on a piano as a, a metaphor for racial harmony is just so clunky and so obvious. Yeah. I just. I just think these two geniuses could have done a lot better with what they were working with. There's no particular, I mean, there's there's hooks in the song and there's lines, but there's just nothing in this song that makes it worthy of anything that should have Paul McCartney's or Stevie Wonder's name on it. Um, 
I don't know that Stevie had anything to do with the songwriting, but he'll, he'll he's coming back on this list. Don't worry. Uh, okay. uh, I will say that Paul McCartney's has always had the reputation of verging too far into the schmaltz. John Lennon criticized a lot of Paul McCartney's even Beatles songs as granny music. Um, but I always thought there's there's still great songs like people don't like Maxwell's Silver Hammer or yeah, um, that's one for or me. Honey Pie or uh, you know uh, Silly Love Songs, whatever the actual title of that song is. Yeah. But these are actually great songs when you listen to them. They're undeniably catchy. The tunes are good. Well, the it, lyrics you know, could use a little get, work. I think he's I think he's just a really good imitator of a dance hall style that he was going for. This song is just schmaltz it's just there's uh, there's just nothing good about it nothing interesting about it and again I, the, the chord progressions don't really work for me um i didn't use and i I'm, i guess this should be in my honorable mentions but i was considering going with uh, the girl is mine which is on actually a yeah. michael jackson That's song michael featuring jackson, yeah. featuring paul mccartney um with the, but they did both have a hand in writing it. Um, Wait a minute. I got to ask, do you put Say, Say, Say in the same? I don't think that's a bad song. Okay. No, right. it's, not, it's not great, but it's not bad. Uh, I could have used The Girl Is Mine, but it's actually a really good tune. The only yeah. part is when it devolves into the uh, the very cringy spoken word part where they're debating who the girl likes yeah. better. That's just, come on. But anyway, not to get <laughs> off topic, Ebony and Ivory is just not a very good song. Period. Okay. If it had been anyone else, it would not have been a giant commercial success as it was. All right. So my number four, I'm going to hate on your boys. Go for it. Mother by the police on synchronicity. Yeah, I know. This is an experiment song by, by Andy Summers, but oh my God, the cacophony of noise that is barely a melody on this thing and the uh, air quotes singing <laughs> is just crazy ranting. I mean, this, this song takes an awesome album. And it knocks it out of my top 10. I mean, it puts it barely in the top 50. That's how bad this song is. Among the other tracks on the record, I mean, shoot, compared to the rest of their discography, this one just is so unlistenable. I mean, it just uh, makes me want to claw my eardrums out. Yeah, that's 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 enough. That's enough about Mother by the Police. Yeah, but every police <laughs> album, except for Spirits of the Material World, every police album has at least one super avant-garde experimental track yeah, by yeah. one of those two guys, not and, by Sting. And it's not near as bad as Mother. This uh, is just the worst one of the know. entire uh, bunch, I'm, I think. I, know, I didn't really look into that one, but it certainly occurred to me, but I'm sure he was going for something. He was influenced by something. And yeah, whatever back, that was, yeah. he should have been just walked away from it. Just well, put it down, yeah, walk away, well, leave it alone. I gave, I gave him a pass on that basis. I, 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 I will <laughs> mention the police later, though. All right. What's your number three? My number three is a song I just don't like. By an artist I don't particularly like, but is undeniably a great, and that's Lay, Lady, Lay by Bob Dylan. Okay. Um, first of all, you never know from the vocal that this is a Bob Dylan song. It's completely different delivery. He doesn't sound like Bob Dylan right. on that song. That's right. right. That's where he sounds like yeah. a normal singer. Secondly, it was written for uh, the soundtrack of Midnight Cowboy. But it wasn't completed on time. Wow. Yeah, which I didn't know. I didn't know um, that either. It's just a lame song. It's just got nothing really interesting about it musically. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's interesting lyrically. I don't think it's interesting musically. I don't think it's pleasant to listen to. I don't like his I don't like his nasal voice, but at least it's got a lot of character. But in this song, he takes all the character out of it and he just sounds like some guy. I don't know why it's even a song that people listen to. However, <laughs> I did find some really cool trivia about it though. Okay, cool. Um for one thing, the drummer couldn't come up with a drum part for the verses. And everyone around him, Bob Dylan and some other people, uh, producer, they were suggesting, why don't you try bongos? Why don't you try cowbell? Yeah. It's like, no, that's a terrible idea. And just to prove to you what a terrible idea it is, I'm going to play it on bongos and cowbells. 
Well, he did, and it's actually the best part of the song is the, the very creative <laughs> percussion element. There are no drums in the verse. It's percussion element. A couple interesting things. First of all, because they were working in a studio, this wasn't like every track was isolated. So he had to take the drum mics away from the drums to mic the percussion instruments. Yeah. So when he switches to the drum kit, the full drum kit it's on the choruses, it's not mic'd up, and it kind of sounds muffled, which is interesting. It's, it just yeah. sounds a little quieter. The second thing is they didn't have any stands for these instruments. So the instruments were being Held. So he's got the bongos like between his Let, knees? No, I'm telling you. D- just wait. Okay. He, he, the instruments are being held by the studio's janitor. Oh, wow. Wait a minute. <laughs> it gets the better. The studio's janitor was Chris Christopherson. Holy cow. So he is standing there. Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Highwayman. Yeah. He is standing there holding the bongos and the cowbell and the verses while this drummer named Kenny Buttry plays okay. them in the verses of Lay, Lady, Lay. That's an astonishing historical coincidence. I will also just mention this happens to be Madonna's favorite Bob Dylan song, which may or may not be saying something. I respect Madonna a lot, but that hey, doesn't surprise me all that much. Somebody had to like it. It's yeah, sold, it's huge, sold huge commercial of, success. It's it sold a lot of records. What's your number three? My number three, if you're a Metallica fan, you've probably already just figured out that this album to you doesn't exist. <laughs> it's Brandenburg Gate by Lou Reed and Metallica off the album Lulu from 2011. Now, if you ask a Metallica fan what's the worst thing they've ever done, they're probably going to give you the answer Saint Anger, whether it's the song or the entire album of Saint Anger, they'll probably bring that one up. But if you ask them, "Hey, what about Lulu?" they're going to be like uh, that doesn't exist. We don't talk about Lulu because it's just that bad. Brandenburg Gate is Lou Reed making a bunch of random cultural references that are at a minimum 50 years old and weaving them with some senseless imagery over some really poor backup music from Metallica and James Hetfield just screaming small town girl over and over as the chorus. I have one word for this song. Horrid. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. Don't listen to it. If you're a Metallica fan at all, it, you will lose so much respect for them if you listen to this record, like, like Lulu, the album, or that song, Brandenburg Gate. So just, just don't do it. Warning noted. Your number two. My number two is by an artist that I very much admire and respect and like her music a lot. I just think it's a it's a false step, although it is very critically well-received, so I don't think this is a common view. And it's Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift, okay. um, which probably is a semi-response track to a Kanye West track. We won't get into the... the there. Right. Let's put it this way. Taylor Swift is a genius at reinventing herself musically and personally. She does this all the time. And you have expressed great love for Taylor Swift I on think this great, podcast I think ta- multiple Taylor times Swift before. is amazing. I just don't like this song. Right. There is no tonality at all in the choruses. The beat is she was going for something that for her was pushing a boundary, but I thought it was very tame compared to what else she could have done with it. And I just, I don't really have much to say about it except I don't think it works. I don't think it's a very good song. It's not fun to listen to. Most of her stuff I could listen to and either, whether I'm paying attention or not, I'm really enjoying the music. This song, if it comes on, skip. Yeah. Not exactly. much more to say about it than that. Exactly. Just, I know what she was going for. I understand she had a purpose. It's just, it's not a good song. My number two, by a band that I love, that you don't love, but I love, Pearl Jam. And the song is Bugs on Vitology. I don't know if you've heard this song. Well, I never know Pearl Jam songs because okay. the titles have nothing to do with the song, so I have no idea. Well, this, this one kind of does. <laughs> oh, does it? Okay. Because, I mean, if you want to use a computer reference, yeah, this thing's got bugs all over it. All right. I just want to start off and say... 
That poor accordion. <laughs> oh my God. The stuff that they did to this accordion should be just illegal. I'm not sure what substance the guys were using when they decided that this was a good idea, but somebody should somebody should have stepped in and kept it off the album. It sounds like somebody's fallen down on an accordion while Eddie Vedder is making monotonal psychotic rants about bugs. Really. I've seen some video on the internet of them playing this live. Why? It's just uh, horrific. Listening to this song qualifies as torture in, in, in probably multiple countries and definitely at my house. Yeah, uh, just curious now. I'm going to go listen to just it. Just don't. <laughs> Trust me. Don't. You okay. don't want to hear All this. Right. All right. Ready <laughs> right, for man. my number one? What is the worst? What is the bottom of the barrel on Matt's list? This I want to hear this. This was not fair because it's so obvious. I would consider it the poster child for bad songs by great artists. Okay. Uh, we have discussed on one of our previous podcasts the movie High Fidelity. Yes. And there's a scene in High Fidelity when a guy, an older guy, comes into the record shop and he's looking for I Just Called to Say I Love You by yeah. Stevie Wonder. And Jack Black won't sell it to him. <laughs> And then he, after the guy leaves in a huff, Jack Black turns to John Cusack's, or his character turns to John Cusack's character yeah. and says, top five musical crimes perpetrated by Stevie Wonder in the 80s and 90s. Go. Sub-question, is it in fact unfair to criticize a formerly great artist for his latter-day sins? Is it better to burn out than to fade away, which we recently We've covered. We've talked it. about, yeah. yeah. So this is just a terrible song. I'm sorry. It's just bad. Stevie Wonder is one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Yep. Certainly, in the, I would say, in the top five of the 20th century, at least in history. And there's just nothing redeeming about this song. The lyrics are stupid. The music is stupid. The instrumentation is stupid. The textures of the instruments are saccharine and schmaltzy. Again, yeah. you got a nice topic. I mean, hey, I wonder, are there any other songs written about romance and love and family love, whatever whatever he was going for? Could you do a little better with your source material, Stevie? I think you <laughs> You could. I am I just unlike Ebony and Ivory, it is not an earworm. Like when I hear it, it causes negative some things to flood yeah. my brain. Bad song. My number one. That does not scratch your itch. There no. you go. <laughs> all right. My bottom of the barrel is by your second favorite band, I think, of all time. And you already brought it up. It's Revolution Nine by yeah. the Beatles on the yeah. White Album. More than eight minutes of oh hell no. <laughs> I mean, how high do you have to be to listen to this song? I've never been that high. Never. <laughs> never. Not even close. It's not music. It, it's, it's just it's not. not. It's not. It's song. just not. Part of it sounds like Robin Williams imitating playing a record backwards. <laughs> the lyrics repeating number nine ad nauseum while John sings things like, them for theming, whim for whimming? What? Paul McCartney doesn't even like the song. His response to the song was, I'm unimpressed. It's just plain bad. And the Beatles are an amazing group. So I I agree with you. It's can I sure. jump in? Yeah, Go it's, ahead. it's 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 bad. It's not really it's it's unpleasant to listen to. I wouldn't call it music or a song. I guess you'd call it music on a de definitional thing. But as I said, it was actually consistent with the avant-garde music movement of the time where people were trying to do different things and just to, yeah, to, to throw was. out to throw out a little bit of two quick points. First of all, a lot of the techniques they were doing in the song are things they use very successfully on other songs. Like for example, splicing yes. sounds together, yes. mixing up things randomly. But just one note, you know, this is generally considered to be a John Lennon 
song. Right. Uh, yeah. With under the influence, that's, if you will, of Yoko Ono and her <laughs> experimentalism, but and the influence of other things. But, but we'll yeah, that's that true. But a lot of people don't realize Paul McCartney was actually the one who pushed the Beatles into a lot of the avant-garde stuff. He was the one who was very, yeah. very plugged into the art scene in London in the '60s and was doing things that were really on the fringes, taking them in the studio and introducing and them into music. Yeah, making music, them. exactly. This is not, not music. This. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's it's the a te- now it's a the, horrible experiment. The recording techniques that they used on this yeah. with with using stuff that goes backwards and forwards yeah. and splicing tape together yeah. and using clips of things from other media and and voices that I don't know whether they had those the the kid voices that they take. <laughs> I don't know where they got those from. Whether they just recorded, I think a some lot of it was like BBC, BBC or, library stuff, or BBC library yeah. stuff, or wherever they got that stuff from. But putting all that stuff in a blender and ending up with that—that's what you get. Yeah, Revolution Nine is one of those things <clears throat> that I think has to be experienced in your lifetime once, to have lived a full life. But once is enough, and maybe just the first couple of minutes. <laughs> you don't need to listen to it, or or put it on Spotify and pick like, you know, oh, let's get to the those weird lyrics and yeah. punch the punch the thing. And no go argument from me. Do you have any? I'm going to call these dishonorable mentions. <laughs> I just have two. One I already said. I, I mentioned "The Girl Is Mine" by Michael Jackson yeah. uh, with Paul McCartney, which is on Thriller. Which had it been on another album, might have been more important. You know, it's it's actually a pretty catchy song. I was looking for a bad song that fit my criteria. Right. So among some of my favorite bands. I was looking at police stuff. The only song I don't like by the police that I, isn't an experiment right. is Da Do 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 Da 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 on Zenyatta yeah. Mandata. Uh, but the, the verses are actually great. The chorus is terrible. The lyrics and melody on the chorus are awful. Yeah. But the verses are really, really good. So I, ha- I could not put that song on my top five list. That's my only dishonorable mention. What about you? I had a couple. One of which is just the cultural misappropriation of this song is just a crime. It's 911 is a joke covered by Duran Duran. <laughs> it is this. just absolutely horrible. The political statement made by Public Enemy just loses everything. And this song is like, it's just horrible. It's a blues song by a pop band that can't rap. <laughs> and they're talking about a public emergency system that isn't even from their own country. Oh my Give goodness. me a break. The last two are just one. One is for the just sheer vapidity of the lyrics. Muskrat Love by mm. Captain and Tennille and by America. So catchy, though. It's catchy, but seriously, so Muskrat Love, it's not an allegory. It's not, you know. No, it's literal. It's literal. <laughs> Gives it's me the warm fuzzies, two- though. <laughs> That was the worst pun that's ever been on this podcast. And then there's one that just, it's nails on a chalkboard for me. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. I am, Tons of people love it. Tons of Mailed people it think in. it's yeah, great. Yeah. I, I hear it and I'm like, yeah. every time the chorus comes on, I'm like, Ugh. it stabs me in the brain in the wrong way. There's so. one really cool, tiny element of that song, which actually I don't want to go into because this is an honorable mention, but uh, well, cover it with you off mic. If you guys have some picks for bad songs by great bands that you think we missed. Yeah, we want to hear them. We want to hear them and we we would really like to hear you talk about them. So if you could send us a voice recording or even if you don't, even if you just want to send us an email, send it to us at podcast at rock-u.fr. Awesome. We'll put it on a future episode.
If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, there is a Spotify playlist that you can find in the show notes that has them all. All right. Hey, guys, we're back, and we are here back with another legal insight from our in-house counsel, Seth Inkley, <laughs> who's got something to say about one of his favorite bands and a famous story in rock and roll history. Do you know what a contract writer is, Matt? I do, but mostly because of this particular rock trivia fact. Okay. So when big acts go out on tour, they make their promoter sign a contract writer, which outlines specific things that the promoter would be responsible for. Standard writers include things like sound and lighting requirements, instructions for the setup of the backstage area, security needs and dietary requirements for the band and the crew, all that kind of stuff. And these details can be as critical as the precise weight of the speakers and the amps and stuff, the required amount of power or internet bandwidth that they might need, or as trivial as the specific brand of toilet paper that the band likes to use. It's all in the writer. Van Halen, during the David Lee Roth era, and maybe afterwards, but this was definitely a Dave thing, had a rather voluminous writer that specified almost everything that they were demanding to be on site when they were at a concert venue that the concert promoter had to make sure to provide. Now, there was a very specific listing of what types of food that were to be available for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, not only for the band, but for the crew as well. And one of the foods that was specified, and this is not the thing you're thinking of, Matt, was herring in sour cream. <laughs> It's actually in the wow. contract. Not sure where that came from. Maybe it was from Eddie and Alex's Dutch heritage. I don't know. Sounds right. Herring yeah. and sour cream is not something you would normally find in the U.S. But the most famous requirement on their early 80s 53-page contract writer shows up on page 40 where the section is entitled Munchies. I guess you can figure that out. Includes as the fourth entry M&M's. Parentheses, and this is in all caps and underline. Warning, absolutely no brown ones. It sounds like these rock star egos have gone wild, but I have to say there was a method to their madness. They figured if they walk in the door and they see brown M&Ms in the bowl, that the concert promoter hadn't read all the fine print in their writer about much more important things, like electrical and safety requirements for the stage and the rigging for the lights and the sound systems. And in some buildings, the sheer weight of the massive amount of gear that Van Halen brought along with them could possibly have collapsed the stage floor and have put the band, their crew, and the crowd in serious danger. So I'm going to read this quote from David Lee Roth in his autobiography from 1997. Van Halen was the first band to take huge productions into tertiary third-level markets. We'd pull in with nine 18-wheeler trucks full of gear, where the standard was three trucks max. And there were many, many technical errors, whether it was the girders couldn't support the weight or the floor would sink in or the doors weren't big enough to move the gear through. The contract writer read like a version of the Chinese yellow pages because there was so much equipment and so many human beings to make it function. And in article number 126 in the middle of nowhere was there will be no brown M&Ms in the backstage area upon paying a forfeiture of the show with full compensation. So when I would walk backstage, if I saw a brown M&M in that bowl, well, line check the entire production. Guaranteed you're going to arrive at a technical error. They didn't read the contract. 
Sometimes it would threaten to just destroy the whole show, and then something like literally life-threatening. So that was Dave's words. So when there were brown M&Ms in the bowl, they would immediately send their crew out to do checks on the entire line and all the safety measures and just to see that the ones that they specified were there. The other thing is David Lee Roth had a habit of trashing the dressing room as a rather childish expression of his anger about the situation. Sometimes little things in contracts that seem stupid are there for a different reason. The brown M&M for Van Halen was the canary in the coal mine because they had really specific needs and that was their signal that they really needed to go do the check before the show. These guys knew what was going on. Yeah, so there's a method to the madness. Did you like having your face rocked off by the student band concert? Then you've got to come back for the adult bands. La Poule Noire, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Matt, tell them all about it. February 5th, watch our nine Rock You adult bands absolutely shred the stage. Actually, it might be 11. Now I lost count. They're going to absolutely So cr- many bands, <laughs> so many bands. They're going to crush it. And if you are inspired by this great show, you can join too. Why should the kids have all the fun? Semester two starts February 13th. Hey, rockers. The ski break is coming up. How much TikTok can you really watch for two weeks before your brain turns into total mush? Well, you know what? Get up off the couch. Get over to the Rock U studio and rock out with one of our ski break vacation bands. February 20th through March 3rd. Two separate weeks. You can join either week or both. You learn some new songs. You play some new instruments. You record videos of your songs at the end of the week. And you rock out. Spend a little better time than you would on on your couch. So come on down and join us. All right, guys. You know what's coming. It's 60 seconds of awesomeness. It's the one-minute matchup. What are we doing (laughs) We're coughing today. We're coughing today. Yeah, we are just we are just not doing well as our gravelly voices. Okay, we could so do this whole thing is extra uh, credit after hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the question we have today is: Is the mixtape dead? And we're going to do sixty seconds each on that. Matt's going to go first. You ready? I'm ready. All right, man. Should your be a short minute. One. I, I bet I get under a minute this time. Okay. What we'll are see. we betting? Nothing. Bet you had- We're betting a, a brown M&M. A brown M&M. There we go. <laughs> All right. Your minute starts now. Okay. Well, Seth, we don't we usually don't discuss these questions beforehand to see what our answers are going to be. And I wasn't really sure what you meant by mixtape. Did you mean a, a collection of songs, a curated collection of songs, or did you mean a physical cassette tape? Either way, the answer is no. The mixtape is not dead. The Spotify playlist, or whatever your preferred... Um, platform is, is probably more influential than ever. It's the principal way people, uh, younger people get new music right. is through curated playlists. And curiously, the cassette tape has made a, a comeback, in the, especially in the hip-hop scene in the U.S., New artists are distributing their music, as and have been for about 10 years now, as mixtapes on cassette. It's how Mac Miller got discovered, one of my very favorite hip-hop artists, uh, was distributing cassette tapes. So no, the mixtape is alive and well, whether you mean figuratively or literally. Cool, 52 seconds. Yeah, I could have done it. 42. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, take it away. All right, making mixes isn't dead. 
Uh, I mean, like you said, look at all the people that do stuff on Spotify. But my question, when I brought this up, the thought that I had was, okay, when you sit down, you make the mixtape that you're going to like give to somebody else. Um, and I wasn't thinking about the, the, uh, the hip hop stuff like you were. But the process of making a mixtape on a cassette tape that's limited to two 30 or 45 minute sides, thinking out the order of the songs, doing any art for the cover, and having all the original recordings to put on the tape and taking the time to record all of that is kind of a lost art. You can make a list on Spotify or iTunes in a matter of a few minutes and not put the thought into it like you had to when you actually did a mixtape. I think that the process makes it a great deal more intentional when it was drawn out. Can you make a Spotify mix that's as good as a mixtape? Sure you can, but I think it takes a much more concentrated effort to do it as creatively. Right Just at, a minute exact. Right at a minute. Nicely done. Nicely, yeah, that's interesting. I see what you're going for there. On the occasions that I do make a playlist for somebody, yeah. I think I put just as much thought into the order and sequence in the collection of songs as I would if I was doing it physically. You're right. It's a lot easier. You know, It's a lot easier, and you don't have to sit there and have a bunch of albums or tapes or CDs that you had to figure out how you were going to get onto the mixtape. Or if you didn't have the song and you had to sit there and wait for the, the DJ to play it on the radio so you could tape it off the radio. So what's your answer? I don't know that you is said it, it's dead or it not. Is it dead? Yeah. No. Okay. Is it a lost art form? Maybe. All right. Fair so. enough. So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? <laughs> Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. Today's episode of Extra Credit The Rock You Podcast is sponsored by our good friends and partners at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble is your one-stop shop for all Anglophone music creation in Paris. Go check out what they do at www.bigpebblerecords.com. 